Welcome to Wormhole Waffles, a Stargate podcast. Welcome to Wormhole Waffles. I'm your host, Chelsea, and with me is my co-host, Arzu. Hello. Last week, we talked about SG-1 Season 5, Episodes 3 and 4 with men who are not what they seemed. And today we'll be talking about Season 5, Episodes 5 and 6, Red Sky and Rite of Passage. Red Sky premiered on July 27th, 2001, and was written by Ronald Wilkerson and directed by Martin Wood. Rite of Passage premiered on August 3rd, 2001, and was written by Heather E. Ash and directed by Peter DeLuise. So we have callbacks to previous episodes in both Red Sky and Rite of Passage. Arzu, would you please summarize? So Red Sky, the team, arrives on a new planet, and the sky turns red, and Mm -hmm. the Norse pilgrims that live there <laughs> are like, well, it is what it is. It's Ragnarok. It's Ragnarok. Let's go. And they're like, but how do we fix it? Because it turned red the second we got here. Yeah. And a rite of passage, um, Cassandra's back. She's mm-hmm. a teenager. Teenagers yeah. are the worst. Right. Um, <laughs> she gets very sick mm-hmm. for reasons. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's do our quote reveal. Last week I gave you the quote, more death is exactly what you people are going to get. And your guess was that Jack is talking to the group of the week who are trying to avoid death, but what they're doing is actually dangerous and SG-1 is trying to stop them. Maybe something to scare away the red sky that involves some ritual. That was pretty close. (laughs) Two for two, baby. (laughs) Season five is my year. Right? You're going to get it. You're going to get it this year. There was no ritual, but... I mean, there was a lot of praying. But, like, in my head, it was, like, some sort of, like, sacrifice. Or... <laughs> no, just a lot like, of praying. let's release a toxic poison into the atmosphere <laughs> so we can all, like, collectively hallucinate or something. Like, yeah. I thought it was something like that, so... <laughs> Okay, so we start off Red Sky with SG-1 tumbling through the Stargate, and they're all, WTF, it's not season one anymore. Why are we tumbling through? (laughs) We stopped that. (laughs) I thought it was... I thought it was going to be one of those things, because when we tumbled through, it's not like the normal camera. Mm -hmm. It was like a... You know, like, like we're looking through someone else's eyes. Yeah. And I thought the whole episode was going to be like that. No, no. No, I was a little disappointed. I was like, ooh. I did appreciate that the camera was tumbling, too. Because normally, like in season one, when they tumbled through the Stargate, it was like the camera was way back. Mm -hmm. And we were watching from afar. This was like the camera was tumbling through with them. Was that supposed to be Thor? Or one of the Asgard tumbling through? No? No. Okay. I wasn't sure if that was just like never explicit, like explicitly stated, but I thought that's what it was by the end because it was like, it was kind of doing that thing where it was, you know, the camera will tumble through. And then if it was just for visual sake, then the camera would stabilize and we go back to our normal camera. But for a little bit, it kind of stayed that mm-hmm. alternate camera, like the bouncy camera yeah. before stabilizing. So I thought some, it was like somebody else, like somebody was watching them. No, I think it was just supposed to like kind of put us in the perspective of SG one. Yeah, disappointing, but it's a cool creative choice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so Sam talks about how they had to write override some protocols in order to get a lock and come to this planet. I'm like, why do y'all keep doing that? Why have you not learned your lesson in 1969? You did some overriding of safety protocols and got stuck in 1969. It's happening again here. The Stargate was trying to tell you, no, you're going to be going through a sun. You did it anyway. And now look where you are. I I don't know. <laughs> There's no in-story reason for this other than the plot needs something to go wrong. Hopefully this is going to be like when they finally learn their lesson. So it's like, if they do it again after this, I'm going to be so pissed. You've seen the rest. Are they going to do it again? I mean, I don't remember off the top of my head. I have to sit down and think about every episode. Okay, fine. But like. 
I feel like they get smarter about it, but I don't know. (laughs) That could just be wishful thinking. Right. So right off the bat, Daniel can tell that these people probably worship the Norse gods based on some like statues that are around. And some people do come out of hiding, but they don't look like the Sumerians so much. They look like pilgrims, like (laughs) straight up off the Mayflower pilgrims. (laughs) Mayflower pilgrims worshiping the Norse gods. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, you know, they're nice and uh, they they seem like cool people in general. Well, except for Malchus. So we have like... Malchus immediately shows up. I'm like, well, that's the bad guy. Right. He's got Mal in his He's name. So hostile. His name just has evil in it. So <laughs> it's like he's named Mr. Evil, basically. Basically. And he's just like, <laughs> actually, I have some thoughts about him. I'm like, well, he's clearly the bad guy. But like, I have some thoughts. We'll get there. Okay. <laughs> so, well, I was laughing right off the bat because they meet these people and they're like, oh, you know, SG1 is like, oh, hey, we're friends with Thor. And they're like, oh my god, Thor's great. We personally prefer Freyr, but yeah, cool, Thor. (laughs) And then um, they're offered, like, flowers and stuff. And somebody comes up to Jack with, like, a basket of food. And he's like, what you got in there? He's digging through the basket and picks up an apple. (laughs) Okay. So here's my thing. I I think it's a good time to mention it. Is um, the, the guy who's not... Malchus. Elrad? Elrad. Elrad's like, Tilt's got the thing. And they're like, no, it's fine. He's a friend. And he's like, oh, cool. And it's like, we came from Thor. And he's like, cool. And we know that they're telling the truth. Yeah. There's no reason for him to believe that. So Malchus is like, these people are suspicious. And we're like, oh, Malchus, you're a bag of, like, no, he's right. (laughs) You are people. You have to think about it from their perspective in terms of how they're on a gold protected planet. The only people they know to be that can use the Stargate are the gods. Sure, they, but he doesn't know if they if these are their gods, if they mean well or not. Like he's right to be suspicious. Well, they immediately call SG1 elves because they know that Frere is like Lord of the Elves or whatever and sometimes elves are good and sometimes elves are bad and they're just choosing to believe that they're good elves you know for their own best interest and Malchus is the one who's like no they're evil elves which I think is a valid concern yeah yeah no I mean you have a point like it's not wrong to be suspicious but then I do still think it's like if you Literally, no one has ever come through your Stargate before, and somebody comes through your Stargate. It's kind of the same thing with the Gwold, with people who that believe that the Gwold are gods. Only the Gwold and the Jaffa know how to operate the Stargate, so you just assume that they're divine. But as a follow-up to that, Malchus is like, they're evil, and they're like, no, we're not, and everybody else is like, no, they're not. So then they're just going about their business and like, these elves are here. And then Daniel leans over and goes, the elves are in service of Freya. I'm like, they can hear you. <laughs> I know that's for us. Yeah. For our, for our benefit. But, um, and obviously for, for SG1, but like, they can hear you. Suspicious <laughs> <laughs> as humanly possible. I mean, I guess they could maybe reasonably assume that Frere would call them elves, but the elves don't call themselves elves. You know? I don't know. But in elves are in service to... If you're in service to Frere, you would know that. Right? <laughs> Come on, Daniel. Well, they've said that they are friends with Thor. They never said that they directly worked for Frere. But then why would so, they assume that they work for Frere? I... That's the limited knowledge that they're working with here. I'm just saying they're being very <laughs> suspicious. Okay. okay, okay. So you're on Malx's side. I get it. <laughs> Not his side. I'm just like, they should listen to him. Okay. But uh, yeah, so the sky turns red and Sam figures out that 
because of the safety protocols that they overrode, they probably picked up some loose plutonium in space while they were traveling through the wormhole to get to this planet. And it basically got stuck in the sun and changed the chemical process that the sun undergoes. And so it's changing the sun itself into a different type of star that lets out infrared light rather than the normal light. Sure. Yeah, this is as much as I can do. (laughs) Listen, I really like this episode for like the vibes and the the Viking pilgrims Mm -hmm. um, for that aspect of it. But the Mm -hmm. science of it, I'm like, okay, if the wormhole redirecting through the sun is enough to break the sun. The sun. Why is these people going through the wormhole not enough to break the people? Well, she explained that. I know, but like, come on. And I think I think it's not... Because I was... Well, something that I was wondering too was like, well, if they came through once and it broke the sun and they keep going back and forth and back and forth through the sun, is that like messing the sun up more and more? But I think what it is... It, it only messed up the sun because they happened to pick up some stray plutonium on the way. And that's only going to happen once because then it's not there anymore. When you keep going back and forth, just seems very shaky. It's a, it's a little bit of a stretch. Flimsy. <laughs> well, I'm kind of like, this hasn't but... to my memory. hasn't happened before when, no. where they picked stuff up. No. En route. And I don't know if it's going to happen again. I don't think so. So I'm like, it's a bit of a flimsy reasoning. Yeah, I feel like my first question is, is it probable for there to be, like, loose plutonium in space? I don't know. That seems suspicious. Anyway, if this is the flimsy reason <laughs> we needed to hang out with the Viking pilgrims, I'm here for it. It's uh, Yeah, I guess so. okay so sam figures out what's wrong but she doesn't know how to fix it and so jack and daniel go and talk to these people and they're like well we're gonna see if we can fix it but uh we're not totally sure and jack somehow gets into the middle of like a philosophic argument and daniel is the one who's like why are you getting into the middle of this i'm like normally it's daniel getting into the middle of it Well, I guess Daniel understands their reason. I can't believe I'm defending Daniel. But, like, Daniel understands their reasoning a little more. He's like, well, this is just where they're coming from. Like, you can't argue with that. Yeah. And Jack's like, the hell I can't. So. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so they they have a, a special hall where they can kind of sort of talk to the Asgard like the Sumerians did, where they get beamed into this probably underground stone room and they can watch like a hologram of (laughs) the like Viking looking fair having some pre-recorded messages and so because of this they're convinced that the red sky means it's Ragnarok and so Malchus is like running around like a chicken with his head cut off and it just it's like so chaotic so SG-1 figures out that they can probably figure out a way to contact the Asgard through that device. And so they do, and they get to talk to the real Freyre, who's like, oh, hey, you're Thor's friend. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've said this before, but I do think it's funny that this show lives in a world where Ragnarok is not in like the general geeky lexicon. And they have to keep explaining what it is every time it comes up. Mm. I just think that's very funny. I mean, they only explained it once. They've explained it before. Oh, I guess in the episode with the Sumerians they did too. Yeah, yeah, they explained it again here. But like, I just think it's it's funny every time it comes up. They're like Ragnarok, the end of the world, and I'm like, right. we know that <laughs> now. I feel like I feel like just on a general level, don't most kids learn some basic Norse history you don't think so i mean not as part of the curriculum but like as like fun books to read kind of thing 
I feel like now it's a little more accessible. I feel like when we were growing up, it was a lot of Egyptian mythology. That's true. There was Greek and Roman mythology stuff. Yeah. Norse stuff, I think, especially with how popular Thor is now, is probably a lot more common. But yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure there were places that had wider access to it, but Yeah. I was just trying to think if I I knew who Thor and the Norse gods were before watching Stargate or not. I knew Thor was a Norse god when I was young. I don't know why I knew this, but Thor I knew about. That was about it. Mm. It's got to have been like just in various media references kind of thing. Yeah, like just through cultural osmosis. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so they get to talk to Frere. And he's like, well, I'll let you come. He's like, I don't think I can really get involved, but you can come talk to the council and see what they say. And he chooses Jack to talk to the council, of course, and Sam and Daniel are both like, oh, no. (laughs) And so Jack talks to four different Asgard. And I think it's hilarious that he's like, Thor's not here. Here, right? Because they all look exactly the same. <laughs> so he's like, uh. I put in my notes. I'm like, Jack, that's racist. <laughs> but they do look exactly the same. That's racist. <laughs> Although I think two of them had a necklace on, and that's the first time I've ever seen Asgard wear something <laughs> to distinguish. I guess. Well, maybe that's like the president and the vice president, basically. <laughs> They've got little um, what's it called when it's like a badge of office, mm. like a seal. Sure. I don't know. If there's a word for it. Like a medal or a. Yeah, but that's not the that's not the word. I don't know. Sigil is that the word I'm thinking? Of? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Sure. Why not? Why not? <laughs> little jewelry, little friendship necklaces. <laughs> yeah, and so <laughs> I I am assuming that Sam and Daniel can only hear Jack's side of the conversation. I'm not, I'm not totally sure. It's not super obvious. But, I mean, they can tell from his side of the conversation that it's not going well. And the Asgard are like, well, we know you did this accidentally, but because of our treaty with the Gwold, we can't do anything about it. So they're going to die. And that's too bad. But uh, it is what it is. And Jack gets real mad. I think as much as this sucks, mm-hmm. I do think this is interesting because they kind of go into like the Stargate version of the Prime Directive. Yeah. It's like, well, we can't interfere. Yeah. But I do think it's interesting that their lack of interference also has like a a bureaucratic element to it like it's not just like it affects the natural development it's also like if we interfere mm-hmm. the gold or like can just break the treaty yeah so it's not it's not solely on like a altruistic moral level mm-hmm. there is also like a very real political element to it yep but yeah I, just, I mean i i think they i think they absolutely would have helped if yeah it wasn't going to violate the treaty because like had this been Star Trek and the 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 problem was that they had done this thing to the sun and now the sun was going to explode without the gold treaty aspect they would have been like well yes we don't violate the prime directive but this was also your fault this wasn't a natural thing like this is something you caused right yeah so it's fine if we fix it right i assume like diehard star trek fans please don't come for me but um <laughs> yeah i mean you're the star trek expert here so. expert used very loosely <laughs> I mean I've only seen the Chris Pine movie so I mean <laughs> I wonder why <laughs> what could it be <laughs> for the plot you love the plot oh definitely yeah it's definitely the plot yeah so <laughs> um, Sam and Daniel hear Jack talking about how he saved their little gray butts in the past. So they should help now. And so it's like, yeah, we're we're always here for Jack being the humorous one. Love it. We're always here for Jack, full stop. Right. 
And so, yeah, I mean, the Asgard are like, well, you're going to have to figure out a solution on your own because we can't do anything. And it's so we well, there's, I feel like there's so many good lines in this episode because Sam is like, I've been thinking. And Jack's like, I'd be shocked if you ever stopped. <laughs> like, they're so in love. They are so in love. And so Sam comes up with this idea to build a rocket on this planet and launch the rocket with a super heavy element into the sun to stabilize the sun's natural processes. Which is a huge endeavor. It I mean, sounds insane. I mean, because it it's, takes millions of dollars, at least, to build a rocket. And I guess they had, like, all the parts ready to go because they were going to send something into space normally. <laughs> From, like, NASA, I guess. And this so just, like, took a NASA rocket. Like, sorry. I would love to know the explanation they gave. But it's like, it takes, what, like, close to a year to build a rocket normally? And so they just set back whatever NASA project that was an entire year because they have to build a new rocket. But now I really want to hear what they said. They're like, it's dangerous. We're confiscating it for government reasons. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, because NASA isn't run by the military. So they would have to have been ordered by the president, probably. But even no, then, like, I don't even know if the president technically has authority over NASA. Isn't NASA a government agency? No, it's a civilian agency. Is it really? I think so. I know it's not military. I just don't know whether or not it's run by the government. NASA is a U.S. government agency. Oh, okay. But it's still not military. But I guess maybe the president could order them. Their website is literally nasa.gov. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know that either. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I just knew it was a military, and that's the extent of my knowledge about who runs NASA. So <laughs> yeah, It's not the Space Force. It's not part of the military. Yes, it does say it's a civil space program. So anyway, so they steal a rocket, basically, and... They get some a super heavy element that probably does not exist in real life. It's a, it's a theoretical element that somebody, some like fake scientist on Earth made for the purposes of the show, which probably isn't real. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Whatever. Fine. I thought it was really cute that, that they had like the scientist who created it come and get to tour the SGC as like compensation for giving up this thing that he spent five years making. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cute. <laughs> what? They give him stickers and a little like hat too. <laughs> like a, a, a koozie, you know, and a <laughs> keychain. <laughs> Stargate. <laughs> no, not Stargate. Um, Stargate it was, Command. SGC. It would just be SGC. They couldn't give away stuff, stuff that said Stargate because then people would be like, what's the Stargate? Just SGC with yeah. like some stars on it, and he's like, "What's the stars?" And like, we thought it looked pretty. <laughs> well, I mean, they could have like the official like SGC logo on it. No, because that's too much information. Yeah, maybe. He's <laughs> 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 like non uh, non classified <laughs> merchandise products that the SGC gives out. It's just generic. They have like stuff from other government agencies. It's not even SGC. Right. <laughs> Normally they use that stuff to like give out to people's kids, you know. <laughs> the scientist gets it this time. Oh my god, please tell me they gave him a coloring book. <laughs> That'd be fun. It's like a no, because that's classified. It's gonna be like, there's like a little Asgard in there, but like that's right. like super classified. <laughs> that's super classified. Well, I mean, I guess you could be like, oh, it's a Roswell alien, you know? Yeah, totally. <laughs> Why does this say Thor? There's a printing error. <laughs> we just went with it. It was too expensive to make again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so. 
So they're they're building a rocket on this planet in I think three months is how long it takes because they had all the parts I guess and just had to assemble it. So, and I'm just wondering how many personnel members they brought on board to put that. Like, how many people does it take to assemble a rocket in three months? You know, the time on this show is just very strange. <laughs> yeah, I did see a big wrench. So Yay, finally, finally another Martin Wood episode that has a big wrench. This is like what number two or three that we've actually seen. So you made me believe the big wrench would be more common. I thought it was gonna be because like I heard people talk about it and I was like, oh, every episode with Martin Wood is gonna have it, and then most of the time we just don't see it. So I don't know. Anywho. Anywho. <laughs> your buddy Malchus decides to <laughs> recruit some some people to sabotage the rocket and blow it up but he didn't do it himself because he's a coward he is a coward i'm just saying like he's not a great guy i'm just saying he's like asking <laughs> the right questions yeah, sometimes sometimes so two people from this planet and two members of sg6 died and so Jack punches him. And I'm like, you need to punch him again because he's smirking. Like, you need to wipe that smirk off his face. Like, don't shoot him. That's going too far. But just go ahead and punch him again. Kick him in the nuts. Yeah, that would work. Yeah. I don't think he'd keep smirking if he got kicked in the nuts. So. No. Yeah. And so Jack loses his temper. I mean, which I understand, but it's like, your team leader here, like, show a little maturity he's like weirdly taking this very personally yeah in a way that i don't think i'm used to seeing from him i mean i guess he realizes that it was their fault that all this happened and they're trying to make it right and they're preventing him from making it right i guess but like like this whole approach of him going in there and being like the gods aren't real like he's not you know, he's not your god. They don't care. Mm-hmm. You're all going to die. But I'm like, you do not usually like this. I don't know. So he can be from time to time. Sometimes. But I, I just don't think I'm used to seeing this level of outburst. He was kind of like that on the Scorched Earth episode. Which one when, was that? That was when the um, Gadmir that look like the green goblin were coming to terraform the planet. Oh yeah. And, yeah. and the people with the yellow eyes lived there. Yeah. Yeah. He kind of lost it a little bit in that episode. And he was also being like weirdly antagonistic in the Space Nazis episode. Which one was the Space Nazis? <laughs> you don't remember the Space Nazis? No. Um that was the other side that was um the people who were in a civil war and they wanted a bunch of heavy water yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah so i mean he does occasionally like kind of lose his temper and and whatnot from time to time but it's just it feels like character regression every time he does that and i'm like come on jack you're better than that that's what i'm saying yeah so they kind of regroup and Sam has to try to come up with some other solution since they don't have the rocket anymore, but they still have the super heavy element that they're calling Maclarium. So they can still use that somehow. And so then she comes up with this plan to send the Maclarium through the Stargate to this planet, but stop the, is it cut off the wormhole before it could actually reach the other side so that the Maclarium will end up trapped in the sun and fix it. And Jack gets a little moment of like actually understanding what she's talking about, (laughs) which is really cute (laughs) because he's like, but isn't it that if something doesn't reach the other side, it's usually a bad thing because it's just existing as pure energy. And she's like, yes, that's true, but really it's only a problem for people. So Jack got to be like, oh, I was right. <laughs> He's so cute. He is cute. 
And so her solution has a success rate of about 1%, she thinks. So. Which is better than no percent. Yeah. Yeah. So they do, they send the McLarian through and then they go through themselves to see if it worked. And it's been several minutes and nothing's happening. So she's like, I'm pretty sure it did not work. And so the people are praying and Daniel goes to tell them goodbye and helps them pray a little bit. And then the red sky goes away and becomes normal again. Dun, dun, dun. I thought Thor was just messing with them. <laughs> Until they reasoned, like, why? Mm -hmm. I was like, Thor. Yeah, well, it's like the Asgard couldn't openly help, so they made yeah. it look like SG1 is the one who fixed it. Yeah, like once they explained it, I'm like, oh, that does actually make a lot of sense. Yeah. But I was like, what are you doing? You said you couldn't help. I thought the timing of it kind of made it look like, you know, the, the people were praying and praying and nothing was happening and then. Daniel adds into the prayer and suddenly the sky gets fixed. It's <laughs> Thor like... is Daniel's only fan. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, well, Daniel has the power of prayer on his side, I guess, to fix the sky. <laughs> That's not going to go to his head or anything. No. No. But no, it's, it's Frere involved, not Thor. Thor's not involved. So it's like Frere likes Daniel's prayers. Yeah, I just Thor is my favorite. <laughs> Everything's Thor. Yeah. So you know, all's well that ends well. Luckily, the SG one didn't like mess up their belief system while they were there. So, I mean, Malchus is probably gonna have some questions. I wonder what they're gonna do with him. I wonder if they're if they're gonna like throw him in jail for a little bit to like teach him a lesson. He's going to get worse. He's going to be like, I was right. Because right. they showed up. And That's it was, what I was when thinking. they left. Like, everything that happened completely justifies it. Yeah. So he's going to get worse. Yeah. Maybe somebody, maybe, and then he's going to create his own faction because people are going to listen to him and there's going to be a civil war. And it's I mean, maybe he can just go start his own village, you know? Yeah. And leave these people alone. Unlikely. Yeah, I, I wondered when they were filming this because I mean this premiered in July and I feel like normally it's only like they're filming it a few months beforehand but there was one scene where it looked I only noticed it once with Chris Judge that it looked like he had his breath was steam you know and I was like is it cold yeah but well okay if it came out in July and they filmed it in like April or May mm-hmm if it was like morning of April or May and they're outside in Vancouver, it's very likely it was still cold. Hmm. Okay. I mean, it certainly explains why they were like wearing jackets. <laughs> yeah. Why they're wearing jackets in July and like and not hot. <laughs> you got anything else about this episode? Um, when they come out of the Stargate and there's all those baskets of stuff there, I wrote Thor's giving. <laughs> Which I thought was Which funny. Which is topical for us, because for us, it's Thanksgiving next week. <laughs> for you, it's Thanksgiving next week. Well, that's true. For me, it's Thursday. For the Americans. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Although I will be in America for Thanksgiving. Go. Are you going to celebrate with anybody? In my hotel room? <laughs> you can like, go to a, a restaurant and get go a sushi and get a turkey sandwich. <laughs> that's so sad. <laughs> so sad. <laughs> I'll figure it out. I don't even know what's open. So. Go to like a Denny's or something. I bet they would have like a Thanksgiving buffet. There is no scenario in which spending Thanksgiving by myself in another city is not sad. <laughs> Unless I don't yeah. make it a Thanksgiving thing. Yeah. It's fine. <laughs> I got friends in the city. I'll figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So next episode, Rite of Passage. Cassandra has grown up. She's just turned 16. And I was wondering about the timing of that. I'm like, well, if she How was old like, was she supposed to be when we met her? I'm not sure they ever said, but she could have been like 12. I was like, she was eight her. the last time I saw her. She's just I a small don't know. Child. 
I think I I think I assumed she was more like ten, but I'm like, she could have been a small twelve year old, maybe. I guess. And it's been four years. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know, but she's turning sixteen now. I I don't know if that's a little bit of like fudging her age for plot reasons, but <laughs> it's soap opera aging. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, like any teenager, she's like, <laughs> she's got like an attitude and only cares about boys. And I thought her parents. boyfriend, Donovan or whatever his name was. Dominic. Dominic was the, uh, I thought he was going to be the problem in the episode. It really seemed to set it up that way. But then, no, he's just like some random kid. He's just like, I don't know what happened. I'm like, okay, I guess not. Because they didn't. <laughs> Like, it wasn't like, I don't know what happened. And then, like, some shifty music. It was just like he genuinely didn't know what happened. But he <laughs> gave her, like, this little crystal pyramid thing. And I was like, yeah. oh, it's an alien artifact. No. It's no, just like a no. thing. It's just a pretty presumption. It's just a piece of glass he found. And he's like, mm-hmm. here, happy birthday. Yeah. So she is going to go out with her boyfriend, Dominic. And they're talking on the porch. And, he, and they kiss. And then the light explodes over their head and Cassandra passes out. And, and so, yeah, it's like, is it the boyfriend? But then no. Um, And so Sam and Janet come running out and they're like, what happened? And Dominic is like, well, I kissed her and then she fainted. And Sam is like, you kissed her. (laughs) Like really intensely. And then she fainted, Sam. (laughs) But I'm just, like, whoa. <laughs> just because Sam is surrounded 24-7 by the object of her affections and doesn't kiss him doesn't mean <laughs> everybody feels the same. Right. <laughs> and the boyfriend is rightly like, it's her birthday. <laughs> I'm allowed to kiss her on her birthday. <laughs> we stand a respectful king. Yeah. But it's so funny, like Sam is so overly protective. I'm like, calm down, I mean, did, like, <laughs> like no disrespect, but did you see the birthday they had set up for the 16 year old girl? I'm like, she's 16, not eight. <laughs> I feel like she and Doctor Fraser just don't mm. acknowledge how old she how is. Old she is. I mean, I mean, what else would they have done? Like, she clearly wanted to go celebrate her birthday with her friends and not at home. That's why she didn't invite her friends in. Yeah. So, I mean, what else are you going to do besides, like, put Give up some banners? And... On her way. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> Sam needs to calm down. Yeah, she does. Um, so I will note that this is not the same actress that played Cass before. This is a different actress. But this actress did play the character Allie in the episode Bane. Which one was Bane? That was where Teal was turning into a bug. Ooh, right, 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 right. Yeah. I thought this and, kid looks familiar. Yeah, so she was the one that was helping Teal and, like, they had the water guns. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, so that was her. Well, you know, I guess they liked her more, so they kept her around. I guess. Or maybe the other actress wasn't available at the time. Or maybe the other actress was only 13 years old. Right. <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't old enough. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> so they they take Cassie back to the SGC and at first I was like is that weird to like bring your kid to a government facility but I'm like oh right she is an alien so uh, yeah that makes sense also like something <laughs> went horribly wrong yeah I think if she had been like a human kid and still fainted under these weird alien circumstances like they would have taken her in anyway I don't know. I was just thinking about uh, some other like random SGC member. If their kid got sick, they probably wouldn't bring them to the SGC. They probably just take them to a normal hospital. If their kid got sick, but I'm thinking like if their human kid got infected with something alien, they'd probably bring them to the SGC. Yeah, but they don't know. They that don't it's know alien. That yeah, they don't find out until after testing her blood that it's a retrovirus. Yeah, so I guess it is just her being an alien that gets her in. Yeah, probably. So. Cassie is sick and she's talking about how she needs to go in the forest and so they're like well maybe we should go back to her home planet and see if there's some kind of answer there because Daniel had found some video footage 
when they were on the planet and the people were still alive and there were some teenagers who had a very similar sickness and they were able to get better again by going into the forest. So SG-1 goes and does some investigation and they find a tree with a glowing handprint on it and it activates a ring system that takes them down into Nirchi's secret laboratory. Ooh. <laughs> Y'all can't see our Zeus like hand gestures. I'm like the little... Mr. Burns' hands. <laughs> <laughs> and so they're like, well, uh, this is obviously a laboratory. She, near to was probably running experiments on these people, but for what purpose? It's hard to say. And if it's curable, who knows? And so they kind of like figure out by some slow reading and process of elimination that, like, well, She's probably running an experiment, and when she saw that the children didn't display the traits that she wanted, she cured them enough of their retrovirus so that it wasn't affecting them anymore, but then let them go so that they could reproduce and continue passing on this retrovirus in their DNA. Which is a weirdly so. elaborate plan. I mean, I think it makes sense for Gwolwold because they can live for thousands of years. So, I yeah. mean, you're playing the long game. You know, it's a really long game. It is a really long game. But she's got the time. Yeah, I guess. Because, I mean, as far as I know with the Gwold, as long as they have a host, they could probably live forever. You know, I don't see any reason of, for them to die of natural causes. Yeah. Just jumping from host to host. Yeah. So Wait, no. Haven't we seen one almost die of old age? That was because the host was dying. Right, right, right. And he could that was when Apophis's host was dying and he couldn't get a new host right away. Right. But then they fixed him. I think probably the Gwolds who live like in the wild or whatever, you know, on that planet with the Unas, they probably don't live that long. I would assume they live like a few decades, probably. Like a human life cycle. Yeah. And it's just the ones who take on hosts that can probably live a long time. Gross. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm assuming they're getting as much life force from their host as their host is getting from them. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That I, don't know. I, I don't I don't know that the writers ever get that that deeply intricate into no, we routinely think of things further than they do. <laughs> you know. As you do. They were busy thinking up crazy plot lines. I did notice in this episode that they were playing the same background music as in Singularity when we saw cast before. So okay. that that's cute. That was a nice callback. That. I did notice the music when um it was near tea, right? Uh-huh. Was it was it it was her in the lab with the Yep, yep, with the covering. So yep. she's got a head covering and a, mm -hmm. mostly a face covering. So all you see are her eyes and they're playing this like mysterious music. I'm like, this is a little racist. Yeah. That was the only time I really noticed the music. I was like, ooh, I didn't like that. Yeah, kind of like vaguely Middle Eastern y type music. Yeah. I was like, mm, that's a choice. <laughs> We've talked about that before, how it would have been preferable to have an Indian actress play Nirti, the Hindu goddess. <laughs> well. But it's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> also, oh God, there was something else that frustrated me in this episode. I don't know what it is. I'll come back to it. Okay. I did think it was really cute that Cassie and Sam played chess every other Saturday. Like, yeah. nice. It's nice to hear like little tidbits like that of, you know, like how, their lives outside of. Yeah, like how Sam and Jack are regularly spending time with Cassandra and Janet. You know, like being friends and. Oh, the thing I didn't like um, throughout the episode, like obviously Cassie's going through a lot. Yeah, but she's lashing out at Doctor Fraser, and she's like, she keeps calling her Janet, and she's like, "That's not my mom." And they're like, now, now, she adopted you and you're hurting her feelings. I'm like, I know we don't have the same conversations around adoption 
then that we do now. Mm -hmm. I'm like, let her feel her feelings. I think, though, in her defense, it's really only Sam that says that when Janet says it too. Okay, but still, it's not Janet herself saying it's not Janet herself, but everybody else. I'm like, guys, like Janet probably understands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's still hurtful, but I mean, yeah, sure, but like, like her feelings are valid too. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess I just saw it more as, like, Sam and Hammond, like, being protective of Janet. And Janet herself was, like, understanding and... Yeah. Yeah, went along. Like, I get get where they're coming from, but I'm also like, but, like, yeah, she's an alien living a human life. Like, she's feeling things right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and and she's... Just opening everything up to, like, a larger conversation of just feeling displaced. But that's not my place to say or my conversation to have. But I'm like, Mm -hmm. guys, some grace, please. Yeah, I mean that was I mean an insane amount of trauma. Like everybody on your planet except you dying and then yeah. being taken away to a new place and having to learn new customs and I mean like it's a lot. And they're like, now now, your manners. And I'm like, guys. <laughs> but it's like I, I mean it's I, been four years, but guys. I mean, I understand her being a teenager with some attitude. Like she's been through a lot. Yeah. Like she's allowed more than most. To have an attitude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She does get better by the end of the episode, though. She chills out a bit. <laughs> I feel like this episode, like, gave her some perspective. You know? Yeah. Like, kind of like when you're a teenager, you think everything is such a big deal. Because it and is then, a big deal. And then something actually serious happens, and you're like, okay. <laughs> Maybe I was being a little dramatic. <laughs> Usually you need a couple years between the event and the realization. Yeah, but this is a big thing. At least you do if you're me. This is gaining powers, like superpowers, and having an alien, an evil alien, come to save you. Like Magnets <laughs> were the explanation. I know. I got very so excited. Cute. Jack was right about magnets being involved. He's like, like magnets! So and I'm like, finally! I, I was made to think that it would be a bigger deal than it was. I mean, it just comes up every now and again. Like, I thought every explanation was going to be magnets. <laughs> so I get excited when the explanation is magnets. Yeah, it's fun. Do we have a tally for that? Uh, Yes. I'm not sure if I've been keeping up with yes. it. So. I don't know if I I've been writing nothing. it down. Oh, you haven't been writing it down. Okay, I'm like, has it really It's definitely happened before. Yeah, I just, I haven't been writing it down. That's my bad. And see, I haven't updated the Big Wrench thing either. You haven't updated anything. I haven't updated the Peter DeLuise cameo. Yeah. I feel like we need to end the, the tallies. <laughs> I think the only thing that's updated is the Wizard of Oz references. Those are easier to pick out. <laughs> yeah. And I do keep up with the number of times they save the world. And the charade tally, I guess, is over. Oh, that's over. <laughs> she died, so... Rip. And I keep up with the number of times they die. Yeah. I can't so. believe that's... It's only that many times that Daniel didn't mention charade. <laughs> I would have thought it was more. I would have thought it was, like, the other way around. Like, yeah. that these are the times he did mention her. Anyway, I feel like it's still the majority of the time he didn't. You think? Because, I mean, in the first season, he did not mention her 13 episodes. That's just over half. Okay. The season. And then in season two, it's 15 times he did not mention her. That's definitely over half. Well okay, over half. Nice. And then season three, she dies. Yeah. So I can't have nice things. <laughs> yeah. Ah, well. Okay. Anyway, back to the episode. <laughs> Magnets. Magnets. Yeah, I was wondering why Sam didn't try to use the gold healing device on Cassie herself. And then, I mean, later we figure out that there's another device that has to be used in synchronization with it but 
in general, it just makes me wonder why whenever they have some kind of new medical problem that they can't figure out, why they don't just always try the gold hand device, healing device. You know what I mean? Because that's sweet. But it seems like it's like a cure-all and Sam can use it with some effort. It's too easy. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I feel like maybe the real readers keep forgetting that it's there. <laughs> or that. But we can just tell ourselves because it's too easy. Neither of them is an in-universe reason, but... <laughs> so, Daniel and Teal'c and Jack had stayed in the lab to do a little bit more digging around. And so when they're ready to come back, Nirti actually... I think there was probably some kind of, like, tripwire that they set off and then alerted her that they were there. And so she came to investigate... And ended up going back through the Stargate with them. And I'm like, how did Teal'c not sense her presence? I don't understand. Both, like, in the lab and when they were going through the Stargate. She had to have been relatively close. And yet he didn't sense her. I feel like there's a plot hole. He's not listening. His spidey senses are off. But I mean, later on, when Nirchi ended up going into the room with Cass, she was able to detect it. So I don't know. I don't know. It's a plot like, yeah, it's a plot hole. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, so Nirchi comes back through the Stargate, and she's just observing. She's trying to see, like, you know, what's going on with Cassandra. Like, is the experiment actually working this time, or is it not working? And I do appreciate that Nirti is like being having like a a woman representation is so smart. Like the the Guo Wold who have men as hosts are usually just like good at, you know, war and like strategy and blah blah blah. But like she's actually a scientist. Yeah. And like, okay, yes, she's evil. <laughs> she's experimenting <laughs> on people. But like but she's in the name of really science. Smart, but she's really intelligent and Hathor was smart too. And so it seems like maybe the women gold are a bit more like ambitious. Well, maybe not, because I guess Apophis did have that whole thing with the Harcesis. But they like it's not that they're ambitious, but it's maybe that they just emphasize different aspects mm -hmm. you know like they prioritize different things it's also the fact that this is 2001 men do the fighting mm. so there is that i was thinking it's kind of like the women are trying to like use their intelligence to find a way to get ahead whereas the men like even with apophis and his whole harcesis thing that's not necessarily that hard to do. It's just that he has to get somebody pregnant. You know? Which is not hard to do. Yeah, which is not an intelligence-based thing. Like, it's cunning, maybe. But <laughs> you don't have to be smart to impregnate somebody. So I heard. <laughs> you misheard me? <laughs> <laughs> well but also true mind. but that's not what i heard <laughs> i mean both words are valid <laughs> but this is a family show yes <laughs> but yeah I, I just appreciate that the women quote world are so clever I'm like that's nice. i also appreciate that they're different mm -hmm. like cleverness aside the fact that it's not the same beat every single time apophis yeah. being the exception because he's like the big bad Right. Oh, I also had a general question, but what? maybe you won't tell me because um, it's a spoiler. What? But I was thinking about it today. Uh, the opening credits, like panning down to this Egyptian statue. Mm -hmm. I'm like, when they're done with the gold, because you said mm -hmm. that the gold are not the baddies the whole time. Mm -hmm. Does the opening title thingy change? I honestly don't remember. I'd have to check. Okay. Well, we'll find out when we get there. <laughs> I, I mean, I could check for you and let you know. Yeah, I'm afraid to look. I feel like it probably doesn't change just because, like, that's the aesthetic. 
that they're yeah. going for. Um, but I mean, I can check for you. I don't think that would be a spoiler necessarily. Yeah, okay. I'd like to know. Yeah, okay. I'll look into it. I'm afraid to look for myself. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to like see clips of things that it's like opening credit and it'll be like Sam and Jack kissing and I'll be like <gasps> <laughs> Delulu. I think it would be worse if it was like you watched the opening credits and it was like Sam kissing somebody else. Nah, and then then you'd be devastated. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't want that. <laughs> and so we have the team trying to figure out how they can help Cassandra, and they haven't quite figured out yet that the that Nearshi is there. And I have in my notes that there was a nice moment between Janet and Daniel. I don't remember what it was. I'm assuming talking about Cassandra. But in that moment when I was like, I could see the potential for a ship between Janet and Daniel at that moment. Okay. So I feel like there are a few people who ship them. I don't think it's as like popular as other ships, but but it's cute. I can see that. I can see it. Like I know I it's not the case, but Doctor Fraser strikes me as somebody who is like married and has a very <laughs> normal spouse at home, <laughs> who like doesn't deal with alien physiology all day, <laughs> right? Like, works like at the bank. He's like an accountant. <laughs> yeah, he's just like like an accountant or something like that. <laughs> Like he likes to jog on Saturdays. <laughs> right. That's the kind of life I feel I feel like she has. But I, guess, I mean I know that's not the case, but Yeah. I I think she used to be married. I think it's canon that Janet used to be married and they got divorced. Did he jog on Saturdays? I don't and know. I don't know. I think there was just like a throwaway comment in one episode where she said something about her ex husband. So I don't know. I'd have to look into that. <laughs> but I mean, I could see, I could see Jen and Daniel maybe, you know, bonding over all these missions that Daniel goes on and gets injured, blah, blah, blah. Aww. So, yeah. yeah. Cute. <laughs> so they finally figure out that Nearchi is there and they have to use the TERs to be able to see her. And so they hit her with a zat gun and take away her invisibility device and tell her that she needs to heal Cassandra. And she's like, only if you could let me go with my stuff and cast Cass's blood. And it's like, mm, no, actually, you're going to heal her or we're going to kill you. You How can about walk that? away with your life. <laughs> yeah. That's it. And she even admitted later that if it had been her, she would not have honored the deal. And it's like, well, I guess that's that's Maybe like part of right. <laughs> well, that's like part of the show showing that the Tari like have morals more than most other people that they encounter on other planets. Because like sometimes even the morals of the Tolan and other you know, races like that are they're questionable. I liked seeing Dr. Frazier with a gun. I'm like, get it, girl. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. She's, she's being a mama bear, protecting being her a mama daughter. bear badass, and we love her for it. Yeah. And it's like, you know, she may be a doctor, but she's still military. She knows how to yeah. use a gun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she's in good shape. I, I like her. I like that we're seeing more and more of her. Yeah, me too. It's very soothing. I find she is, yeah. I mean, that's she. She definitely has like a kind doctor vibes, which is appropriate. <laughs> yeah. So they convince Nearchi to heal Cassandra, and they use not only the healing device but also this really scary looking like extractor tool. I guess I don't know. It looked freaky, <laughs> and so they sent her on her way. And we end with Sam teasing Cassandra about kissing Dominic. I'm glad she came around. Cause... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At least they were able to laugh about it and not like have Sam get weirdly <laughs> protective about it again. 
Like, anyway, you're never seeing that boy again. It's like, <laughs> Sam, just because you won't give in to your feelings. Right? <laughs> oh, man. But I, I do hope that this situation kind of chills Cass out a little bit so that she's a little less angsty. <laughs> I agree. Are we going to see I Cass again? No. We're not. Aww. I mean, we kind of already saw her when she was older because in the 1969 episode, when they go far into the future, Cassandra is there to send them back to the proper time. You remember I that? I remember that. Yeah, because they were in 1969 and they they dialed the Stargate like a moment too soon and they were flung like, I don't know, 50 right. years into the future or whatever. So we kind of already saw her. So we know that she lives in canon. <laughs> and she stays on Earth. But other than that, no, we don't see her again. Maybe if they do a new show, that could be character. There we go. That could in. be an interesting idea. Yeah. I don't know. I have a feeling that if they do a new show, that they're just going to like start from scratch. So, As long as it's not Infinity, I think we're okay. <laughs> Definitely don't keep anything from Infinity. <laughs> oh, in this episode, apparently Peter DeLuise was an airman in the background somewhere. I didn't actually see him. Me neither. But supposedly he was there somewhere. I also I did... never see him, so. <laughs> I did recognize one of the other airmen. I was like, he looks really familiar. I feel like he played a Russian in another episode and I was right. <laughs> he plays a random Russian guy in season 6 and he's in a total of 17 episodes of SG-1 usually as an airman and 4 episodes of Atlantis so this is the actor Nicholas Barrick but he did not win the hat trick he was not on Universe so well he should have been call. better at his job <laughs> I don't know but Hard. that's not what happened <laughs> But yeah, I was like, man, that I'm like, why why does that random airman look weirdly Russian to me? <laughs> because he plays a Russian later. Okay. That makes sense. Do you have any other thoughts about this episode? Mm -mm. Nope. Nope. Let's see. Anything problematic? Not really. Other than the other than the non-Indian woman. Uh... Yeah. With her Middle Eastern garb and music. Uh, no. Yeah. I mean, no shade. Was to... par for the course for 2001. Yeah. I mean, no shade to Jacqueline Samuda because she's no. great. But yeah, it would have been nice to have an Indian woman. That's you're, okay. You're an actor doing the job they paid you for. Like, no yeah. shade. Yeah. Totally. So I think these episodes hold up for a modern audience okay. Yeah, I think so. People will still be interested in seeing some Norse pilgrims. <laughs> Why not? I, I would like them to come back. <laughs> well, they're not going to, so tough. <laughs> Damn it. Okay, so next week we're going to be talking about SG-1 Season 5, Episodes 7 and 8, Beast of Burden and The Tomb. Arzu, are you ready for your next quote to guess? Mm-hmm. It didn't decompose. The skeleton's covered in tiny teeth marks. So, okay. It feels like a toss-up. So my initial thought is Dr. Frazier. Mm -hmm. And they brought somebody to the SG-1 and they're looking at it. And like, oh, tiny teeth marks. But I'm like, but no. Because if they had carried it through, because she doesn't really travel with that. If they had carried it through, they would have noticed that it's not decomposed. So what I think happened is they're going to be on the planet Mm -hmm. And they find what they think is a decomposed corpse. And mm -hmm. Daniel's going to look at it and be like, this isn't decomposed. It has tiny teeth marks. Okay. So Daniel delivers the line. Okay. Yes. All right. Well, we'll find out next week. That's it for today. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would love for you to rate us five stars wherever you can. If you want to talk to us about Stargate, you can find us on our podcast, Twitter and Tumblr page at Wormhole Waffles. It's also on High Than Blue Sky, even though I, I did actually check Blue Sky today. For the first time in a month and some people had followed me i'm like oh maybe i should check more often <laughs> i need to be remembering to post on blue sky like the crossbows i still need to make my own personal account on blue sky i haven't done that yet either i have a thousand codes oh i'm sure i have a bunch too yeah, yeah. it still hasn't like taken off 
Although I am hearing more and more people like say that they're prioritizing blue sky and I'm like, I really? spend more time on blue sky, yeah. Ripo. I guess I need to get on that. <laughs> I also really need to revive our Tumblr page and I'm just lazy. <laughs> I'm too lazy to do Tumblr. I have it, but like I like Tumblr. It's I just feel like it takes a lot of effort. So I don't know. Anyway, my personal handle is always at Chelsea Fairless because there's not very many people with my name and I snapped it up before the other people did. <laughs> Arzu, where can everyone find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Arzu Amin. I'm at arzuamin.bluesky.social on Blue Sky. I'm at ArzuD2 everywhere else. So hi, Tumblr, Instagram. Uh, I use Instagram more than the other two, but I am trying to get better about it. Oh, and um, threads. Uh, as a network... We are on Twitter at geeky underscore waffle. We are the geeky waffle on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Tumblr. We are the geeky waffle on YouTube. We're at thegeekywaffle.com. And we are on Patreon, patreon.com slash thegeekywaffle. Thanks for joining us today. And we'll see you on the other side of the event horizon.